This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Rookie recap season is still underway here at Saturday to Sunday, and we are going to take a little bit of a diversion from the offensive skill players and talk a little bit about 2020 IDP rookie rankings. IDP leagues are getting more and more popularity every single year. I feel like there's more and more people participating in fantasy leagues that have IDP. I enjoy the defensive side of the game. In terms of the draft projections notebook, I study and research a lot of the defensive prospects. I have my opinions and takes on many of these. And I make my own rankings up because I do play in a handful of dynasty leagues that are very deep IDP leagues, all different scoring formats. So I figured, let me uh, make some rankings. I actually have them included now in the 2020 rankings notebook. So if you are a subscriber to the premium notebooks here at Saturday to Sunday, you now have access to my IDP rookie rankings as well. I will continue to update them in real time if I feel anything changes. Before I start talking about the rankings, though, and some of these prospects, I do think it is very important to realize, though, that more than any other type of dynasty league, IDP leagues, the scoring settings are so critical and so crucial to truly understand the positions that you must start is defensive ends and defensive tackles grouped together as D-line, as I'm going to do tonight, or is it, you know, DT... Also, where DT really get a bump up in value, some are DT premium leagues. You know, some you have to have cornerbacks. Some are cornerbacks and safeties are grouped together as defensive backs. You know, and even even not based on the positions, there are some leagues that the scorings you know really skew towards tackles, and other ones skew towards big plays or some type of balance setting. You know, in terms of interceptions and sacks are a lot of points. Tackles, you know, aren't as much. So, does you really gotta study? If you are new to IDP Dynasty Leagues, you really need to study the settings to make sure you understand it. So it's not a one-size-fits-all rankings. When people make Dynasty Rookie Rankings for offensive players, you know, besides the whole super flex, you know, non-super flex, or maybe tight end premium impacting it, you know, most leagues are either half PPR or PPR right now. I don't think a lot moves the needle too much with the offensive guys besides, like I said, maybe super flex or tight end premium. But on the defensive side, I think a lot can be dictated by the type of league you're in, in terms of how early some of these guys could go if they're mixed in with the offensive players, who could be pushed towards the top in the IDP world you know, based on those scoring settings. So there's a lot of moving parts with IDP. So, you know, so rankings aren't as easy and a little bit more subjective subjective based on your league setting, you know, and how many players you got to start and what positions you're playing. So that's just kind of important to talk about that in the beginning. But let's get right into it. I'll read down my rankings and then talk about a lot of these prospects. As I mentioned, I'm going to start with the idea of utilizing defensive ends and defensive tackles all grouped under 
defensive lines. Cause I think more leagues than not that are IDP do group them together. Like I said, though, there are leagues that are individual that you have defensive ends and have defensive tackles. But for my rankings and these purposes, all my leagues that I'm in have them grouped together. So that's kind of how I made these rankings. So here are my defensive line 2020 IDP rookie rankings for Dynasty. Number one is Chase Young out of Washington. Number two is Yatia Gross Matos from Carolina. Number three is AJ Epinesa, who is in Buffalo. Number four is Caleb on Chasen in Jacksonville. Number five is Javon Kinlaw in San Francisco. Number six is Derek Brown in Carolina. Number seven is Darrell Taylor in Seattle. Number eight is Julian Aquara in Detroit. Number nine is Jonathan Grenard in Houston. Number 10 is Ross Blacklock also in Houston. Number 11 is Marlon Davidson in Atlanta. Number 12 is Neville Gallimore in Dallas. Number 13 is Justin Matabuque in Baltimore. Number 14 is Curtis Weaver in Miami. Number 15 is Bradley and I in Dallas. Number 16 is Travis Gibson in Chicago. Number 17 is DJ Wanham in Minnesota. Number 18 is Alton Robinson in Seattle. Number 19 is Jordan Elliott in Cleveland. Number 20 is McTelvin Agim in Denver. Number 21 is Raquan Davis in Miami. And number 22 was where I stopped my rankings was Devon Hamilton in Jacksonville. So if we go through this and go into a little bit greater depth, Chase Young is a no-brainer. I mean, there's he is was arguably the most talented prospect in this class. He can flat out do it all. So I think that was a very easy, I mean, the size, the frame, the athleticism, the first step, the bend off the edge, his hand usage, his play strength, his pass rush skills, his ability to help out and run support. He's an ideal 4-3 defensive end. He was drafted into a scheme that he's going to be a 4-3 defensive end. And I think that's important because if he was to ever have that you know, three, four outside linebacker designation, that would dramatically change his value. And and I'll mention that for a handful of guys tonight. I don't think Chase Young's the type of player, you know, who's going to have that designation, but we've seen, you know, Khalil Mack constantly switch between linebacker or defensive line, you know, on his MFL, you know, designation. So that's always a concern with any of the defensive linemen. Uh, but I do think Chase Young is probably is locked in right now to be a defensive end for the foreseeable future. You know, Ron Rivera just got there to Washington. So he's, you know, his base is going to probably be that four three consistently. So I think Chase Young is pretty safe to be locked into the defensive line and not have to worry about him maybe losing value by switching to linebacker. And in a lot of settings, that would hurt his value, not help it. I went with Yotir Gross Matos at number two, and then Epinesa followed, you know, by Kayla Von Chasen. And I did that purposely because of what I was just saying. I am concerned about Chasen in Jacksonville in his long term IDP designation. If he seamlessly takes over for Yannick Nagakwe and Right now on MFL, he is labeled a defensive end. But I think this is going to be Doug Marone's final season in Jacksonville. And if it is, you know, someone might come in and look at Josh Allen and look at, 
you know, Jason, and say, you know, these are perfect, ideal three, four edge outside linebackers. And if they clearly designate that's their scheme, I can see Josh Allen and Caleb on Jason both having their designations changed. And then that changes the entire narrative about what their value is. So because I think there's more uncertainty with chase on long-term, because I do think Doug Marone's going to be out of there after this year. I had gross Matos and Epinesa ahead of chase on. If I knew chase on was going to be locked in as a defensive lineman, he'd be my number two defensive end. I should say, you know, along that defensive line, he'd be my number two, but the uncertainty pushes him down to number four. Now there is some uncertainty with gross Matos as well, because we don't really know exactly what Carolina is going to do in their designations. I mean, Brian, if he's on the other side of Brian Burns and Brian Burns is designated as a linebacker and mostly a pass rushing linebacker, you know, if that is where Gross Mata's future lies and they change his de- designation on MFL, then the, my exact same concerns about Chase Sun come true of Gross Matos. Now, Gross Matos is a little bit bigger. I look at Gross Matos and I think he's got a JPP type upside. So that's why I have him at number two. I do think his body type and frame is best along the defensive line and not standing him up. So I'm hoping that he is locked into that defensive end designation, but it's something that, you know, down the line, we don't know how that could potentially change. But right now I feel more certain about him staying in as a defensive line, defensive end than I do chase on. So that's the difference in that. And then Epinesa, he went in a perfect landing spot. I mean, when you really think about, you know, Epinesa, you know, I talked about chase, chase on a little bit. He's that explosive really athletic guy off the edge, you know, who could be more of a three, four edge rusher. I talked about gross Matos and he's a little bit raw and undefined, but he's got a lot of JPP like skills, you know, and then there's Epinesa who I didn't want the giants to draft. Cause I just didn't think he fit what they wanted in their scheme, but he's a very good player. Epinesa, you know, this is a guy who, while he only has average athleticism, he's got great size and frame, you know, great length, hand usage, play strength, power, physicality, and toughness, good versus the run, very productive pass rush skills in college, you know, good techniques. You know, to me, he was a 4-3 defensive end or a 3-4-5 tech. I think he's going to be a 4-3 defensive end in Buffalo, but I think he's locked into the defensive line. There's no worries or concerns about Epinesa ever switching to a linebacker designation. And for that, he might be the most have the highest floor of all these guys after Chase Young. You know, for me, he was third because I really like Gross Matos and I'm I'm buying in that I think he's going to stay with that defensive end designation along the defensive line. But Epinesa is a little safer, in my opinion, because I don't think you have any worries about him switching over to linebacker. After that, it really starts getting into the defensive tackles. I have Javon Kinlaw next. I have Derek Brown. If this was a DT premium league or where DTs were separate, I think you got even overall, I don't do overall IDP ranks, but I think Kinlaw, Kinlaw and Brown could even be in the mix, you know, with Epinesa, with Gross Matos, with Jason, if defensive tackles were their own designation. These guys had tremendous draft capital attached to them as well. I think Kinlaw has a little bit more pass rush than I do Derek Brown does. But I think Derek Brown's got some untapped potential. When I look at Derek Brown, you know, the size and frame, outstanding. 
Good to very good athleticism when you watch him on the football field, his film, quickness, movement skills for his size, quick feet, great play strength, toughness, and physicality. You know, to me, he shows the ability to two-gap above average pass rush skills, even though it might have not led to actual sacks. I think the question with Derek Brown is, is he more Fletcher Cox upside and that's who we could develop into? Or is he more Michael Brockers or is he somewhere in the middle? You know, if he's just Michael Brockers, then I think his fancy value is a little bit capped. If he's somewhere in the middle, I think he's still a very good pick. And if he becomes, you know, somebody, you know, more in the Fletcher Cox, then it's a home run pick. I, I skew that. I think there's even more untapped pass rush potential in him than we even saw in college. And it's going to come out at the NFL level. So I think, you know, very intriguing pick, you know, for IDP leagues, uh, especially ones that have DT, you know, specific but I like Kinlaw a tad more, and I think Kinlaw goes into San Francisco. He's not going to be the focal point of that line, you know, with Bosa there, with you know Armstead there. You know, obviously he's taking over for DeForest Buckner. You know, I'm not saying he's going to be. It's going to be an apple for apples comparison. He's going to immediately get all of you know DeForest Buckner's production. But there's a production to go there, and defenses are not going to be honing in and focusing on trying to stop Kinlaw. They're going to be more focusing on trying to stop Bosa and Armstead early in Kinlaw's career. You know, he's got better athleticism than Derek Brown. I would classify it as good to very good for his size, the quickness, the burst. He's got great length, first step, hand usage, play strength and power, good versus to run. You know, to me, he's versatile to play anywhere, you know, along the defensive line. So that's why I like him a little bit more than Derek Brown. I think he's got a little bit more pass rush skills, but I think both of those guys really intriguing. You know, after that, you know, I feel good about those top six. And then after that, you got Darrell Taylor, Julian Aquara, Jonathan Grenard, you know, Ross Blacklock. You know, Taylor intrigues me to most of, of that next group of guys. You know, Seattle invested a pretty early pick in him. You know, they usually get good production if he eventually steps into that, like that Michael Bennett role. I could see him being productive. You know, so I, I think Darrell Taylor, he's got great play strength and power, good athleticism and movement skills, you know, shows good burst and ability to bend off the edge. He's already got average to above average pass rush skills, and he's good in run support. So I like his upside there. Uh I have him ahead of Julian Aquara because I think Taylor is locked in to being along that defensive line. While Aquara, at 252 or so, he could eventually be classified as a linebacker in a 3-4 scheme. So I think that's why I have Taylor a little bit higher of Julian Aquara for that reason. I like Aquara's game. I like his athleticism, his ability to bend and, and burst in his first step off the edge. I like his length. He can drop in coverage a little bit if needed. Uh, but I do have some concerns about him maybe losing that defensive line designation down the line. After that, Grenard, Good college production, athleticism concerns, you know, but he has some good draft capital as a third round pick. I'm intrigued by that next group of defensive tackles, Ross Blacklock, Marlon Davidson, Navelle Gallimore, and Justin Matabukwe. To me, you know, Blacklock, Gallimore, and Matabukwe all got good pass rushing skills from the interior at the defensive tackle position. I think you can make the case that all of them are maybe best situated, you know, to be penetrating three techs, not necessarily all going to be asked to do that. But I think in an ideal scenario, that's where they shine because I do think all of those guys, you know, can get penetration into the backfield. So does, do any of them develop into a Geno Atkins type? That's what we're kind of waiting on. And if that happens, these guys are way too low in the rankings, you know, in defensive tackle, 
you know, leagues where you must play defensive tackles. All of those guys are intriguing to me. And then Marlon Davidson's the wild card because he was like an edge at like 280 to 300 pounds at Auburn. They, he, he locked into a lo- heavier weight and now I think it's going to be a defensive tackle. But this is a guy who's had a lot of production at college, you know, shows the ability to bend and get off the edge. Very strong, very versatile type player, you know, and I think he's very intriguing. His quickness, his, his strength and toughness, his hand usage and techniques. He's a very intriguing player. You know, those would kind of round out my top 13. I know Curtis Weaver and Bradley and I, who I have at 14 and 15 were very productive college players. They don't have a lot of draft capital attached to them. Like, you know, day three, you know, round five, round six type draft capital. I think both of them might have been in round five. So not a lot of draft capital there, but, you know, their their stashes, you know, productive college players, What you know, in terms of pass rush production. Let's see if any of it translates. You know, DJ Wanham is interested in Minnesota, but he's going to have to wait his turn a little bit there. They have some guys locked in, but Wanham down the line could develop. Uh you know, and then a couple other guys I think are watch guys, the Allen Robinsons, and then that next group of defensive tackles, Jordan Elliott, McTelvin, again, Raquan Davis, Devon Hamilton. I just didn't see, you know, of that group, I think, again, is the most talented in terms of his pass rush ability. The other guys, you know, have a little bit more inconsistency when it, turn, when it comes to their pass rush production. So that's kind of a defensive line and, you know, grouped by defensive tackles and defensive ends kind of grouped together. I shared my thoughts, though, on a couple of the defensive tackles individually. If we take this to the linebackers, top of the linebacker board, very intriguing, very close group, to be honest with you. Uh, I could see the top three being ranked in any way. To me, it's one tier. I don't see much of a, a separation between the top three guys. I see a clear teardrop after that. I have Patrick Queen first, who was drafted by Baltimore, Isaiah Simmons, Arizona, Kenneth Murray, Chargers. I'm just going to stop there for a second because I think those guys are standalone in their own group. If somebody wants to have Murray first, you know, and then Queen or Simmons, I don't think it's crazy. Uh, I think it's okay. The main thing is, is that, you know, Murray, I think is locked into playing more on the inside, closer to the line of scrimmage in the box, more sideline to sideline where Queen and Simmons are really good coverage linebackers as well. So could that skew more tackle production to Kenneth Murray and in leagues that are really dictated a lot by tackles? Could that make Murray the number one of these linebackers? I think he could. So to me, there's a razor thin margin between them. I think all of them should come off the board very close in IDP rookie drafts or if they're mixed in with the offensive skill players. I don't think there should be a lot of separation between those three. I think Isaiah Simmons is the best pure football player. His ability to pass rush, his ability to play in coverage, his ability to play sideline to sideline. He's a, he's a very athletic freak, but they all are. They're all athletic freaks. Kenneth Murray tested out great sideline to sideline. He's probably not as good in coverage as the other two, but that, but he's still very productive in coverage. He can play all three downs. I have little doubt. You know, I know the Chargers notoriously have not asked their linebackers to play a lot of three downs and have mixed and match. I don't think they traded a second, third round pick to get back into round one to select Kenneth Murray and only play him on two downs and take him off. I think he's going to be on the field, sub packages, base packages. I think you're going to see Kenneth Murray become the leader of that linebacking corpse there for the Chargers. So that that Queen Simmons Murray group to me, very interchangeable. Uh, I, I don't see a clear separation or differentiation between nodes for eight. For me, then, I see another tier group in the next three guys, 
I have Willie Gay Jr. out of KC. He's my fourth overall linebacker. Jordan Brooks, Seattle's number five. Logan Wilson, Cincinnati is number six. I like Willie Gay the most because I like his athleticism. I mean, he's a guy that had some, you know, issues while his time in college, but a guy that can play sideline to sideline, can good tackler, can play in coverage, can make impact plays like interceptions as well. He has good draft capital as a second round pick. So I think Willie Gay is my favorite of that group, but I understand if somebody wants to have Jordan Brooks because Jordan Brooks is going to, is a tackle machine in college. He's probably not great in coverage. So I think you, He's less going to be asked to do that at the next level. I mean, he might have to wait for Bobby Wagner to slow down or, you know, no longer be there to truly take over that role and be a potential, you know, big time impact IDP linebacker. But they invested in the first round in him. So he's going to get every opportunity to be a big part of that, you know, uh, linebacking corpse there in Seattle. So with that, he's my number five. And then Logan Wilson's my number six. I think Logan Wilson, you know, came off the board, the top of the third round. He's really good in coverage. And part of that almost hurts here in fantasy a little bit, because if he's really good in coverage, he might not, Oh, he might not have an opportunity to make as many tackles against the run where I think Brooks, that's his forte. So you know, you can make the case that Gay in some ways is a little bit like Logan Wilson, but I just like Gay the player more than Brooks. So I had Gay there. You know, I liked Logan Wilson a little bit more than Jordan Brooks on tape, but I do think in the schemes that they're asked to play, I would have Jordan Brooks slightly higher than Logan Wilson, but I think it's a coin flip. I think Gay, if I think Queen, Simmons, and Murray are very much coin flips and could be ranked in any order and should become off the board close to each other in, in rookie drafts, I think Willie Gay, Jordan Brooks, and Logan Wilson, same exact thing. I think the, all three of those guys are very, should be very close in terms of their value uh, like that. Number seven for me is Malik Harrison, also joined Patrick Queen in Baltimore. I think he's more of the physical. He's good athleticism for a man his size, but I think he's more of the physical two-down type player uh, than, than Patrick Queen. I think, you know, they really could complement each other well, and I think he could develop into a starter there. He's the last guy, in, in my opinion, where I feel really confident about if I take him a little bit further down than the gay Jordan Brooks and Logan Wilson, I think he's going to emerge into a, a fantasy factor in terms of IDP. After that, I'll put the next two guys kind of together, uh, Davion Taylor for Philadelphia and Zach Bond for the Saints. You know, some people might have Bond a little bit higher than Davion Taylor. Both of them were drafted in the third round. Davion Taylor is another guy, really good athleticism, can play sideline to sideline, can become a good, you know, guy in coverage as well. I like his ability. See, Zach Bond's the wild card because he's, he's an athletic freak himself, but he was mostly asked to be an edge rusher in college. I don't think that's what he's going to be asked to do in the NFL, but how much is he going to be asked to do that in certain situations? And it might hinder his tackle production. But I do think Davion Taylor and Zach Bond is interchangeable as I'm here kind of talking it through. I can see myself flip-flopping them. Uh, I think I'd probably take Davion Taylor ahead of Zach Bond because I do think, you know, in Philadelphia, Davion Taylor is going to get every opportunity to become a starting, you know, potential redown linebacker there sooner rather than later. I think Zach Bond is going to develop into a starter for the Saints. I just don't know if it's going to translate as much to fantasy production. 
Another guy, you know, I put at number 10 here is, is Josh Uche from New England. This is an interesting one because this goes back to like your scoring settings because Josh Uche is very much going to be an edge rusher at times that, you know, is going to be a versatile piece because I think that's his best fit is, is rushing the passer, but he doesn't really have the prototypical size. So he's going to be asked to do some traditional linebacker things as well. So that's where, you know, I kind of put him here with Zach Bond because both of them are a little bit of going to be asked to do some different stuff at the NFL than they were asked to do in college football, but he had big time talent early, you know, to mid second round pick. At number 11, I have Jacob Phillips. He was a third round pick to Cleveland, a little crowded depth chart, but he does have some decent draft capital. So he's my number 11. Akeem Davis Gaither, he was also drafted by Cincinnati. I think it was the top of the fourth round. So he might develop with Logan Wilson to be another starting linebacker there. So both of them have decent draft capital. After Akeem Davis Gaither and Jacob Phillips, I see another kind of teardrop. And to me, I don't see a lot of the other guys very draftable. It depends on just how deep, but I play in pretty deep uh, IDP dynasty leagues and the, the draft that I've already done. You know, we didn't see guys like Troy Dye, Tanner Muse, who are, who's my number 13, Troy Dye to Minnesota, Tanner Muse, the, the Los Angeles, uh, Las Vegas Raiders. I think right now MFL has him labeled as a safety, but I expect that to change because I think he's going to be on the depth chart for the Raiders as a linebacker. Uh, Terrell Lewis for the Rams. He's another one of those edge rushers. I have concerns about him. Not only is he an edge rusher, but he also is a guy who's got a lot of durability concerns. So that's why he's lower on the list for me compared to the Josh Uches of the world. Uh, after Terrell Lewis, I have Alex Highsmith, another that, one of those edge rusher types for Pittsburgh. Same thing with Jabari Zuniga for the Jets and for Nee Jettings, who's at 18 to New England. Uh, and then to round out my top 20, Justin Stranod, Denver, Marcus Bradley, Cincinnati, Mikel Walker to Atlanta, uh, Shaq Quarterman to Jacksonville at 22, Evan Weaver at 23 with Arizona, Sean Bradley 24 for Philadelphia, and Cam Brown at 25 to the Giants. That whole group there, Stranad, Bailey, Walker, Quarterman, Weaver, Bradley, and Brown, you know, I, I ranked them in the order in terms of, you know, upside that maybe based on the depth chart and stuff they can get on the field and be productive. I like Stranod and Bailey the most pre-draft, so I kind of put them ahead of, you know, the, those other guys. Uh, Mikel Walker could find himself have an opportunity there in Atlanta. Same thing, Evan Weaver, really good collegiate production, has athleticism concerns. Same thing with Jack Quarterman, the Jacksonville, you know, and then Sean Bradley, you know, we already talked about the Eagles a little bit with Davion Taylor. Sean Bradley's got some depth chart, depth chart climbing to do before we really take him, you know, in serious consideration, you know, so that's kind of how my linebacker, you know, board stretches out. Obviously, my designations are based on what MFL is. I think that's the league that people use most often for IDPs, but you really got to watch it. You got to see what Based on the league type and the format and, and which site you're playing on, some guys might have different designations. And if so, you really got to pay close attention to that. Moving on to round out the show, let's talk about some defensive backs. I think it's another really, really close-knit group. I don't think there's a clear standout like a Landon Collins or you know Cam O'Neill type players here. So here are my rankings. I'm going to, again, kind of talk about it in groups a little bit, in tiers almost. For me, number one in my rankings is Xavier McKinney to the Giants. Number two, Jeremy Chin, Carolina. Number three, Antoine Winfield Jr., Tampa Bay. Number four, Grant Delpit, Cleveland. 
to me, those guys are very close. I personally have Xavier McKinney, the highest of that group. I think he's very much a Malcolm Jenkins type player. The versatility he's going to bring and the leadership to the Giants secondary, I think is tremendous. I think him and Drew Will Peppers are going to be used very interchangeably. I think Drew Will Peppers is a little bit better, closer to the, the box and, and the action. So I think he's going to be more of the, if you want to designate one, the strong safety. But I don't think that means that Xavier McKinney is going to be the traditional free safety. I think they're going to have a lot of free safety looks. Uh, Julian Love might be back there, you know, playing, you know, know the deep part of the defense and Xavier McKinney could be roaming around I mean if you look at Xavier McKinney his versatility almost matched Isaiah Simmons in terms of what Alabama asked him to do part linebacker part free safety part strong safety part slot cornerback you know so I think McKinney's versatility you know intrigues me the most he'd be the first guy that I would take in terms of defensive backs I think Jeremy Chin's versatility you know there was talk before the draft that he could be almost like a linebacker uh, safety hybrid those guys usually play a little bit closer to the action if that's the case in Carolina I mean we're talking about a guy with great athleticism movement skills ability to cover play sideline to sideline you know get after you know runners you know in run support so I have Jeremy Chin number two but I have McKinney one Chin number two and then I have Winfield Jr. and Delpit and I've been flip-flopping those you know, ever since, you know, I started thinking about IDP rankings in one league, I ended up drafting Antoine Winfield uh, over Grant Delpit, you know, but it was a coin flip. I like Antoine Winfield because I look at him. I think he's a Tyron Matteau type player. So I think he's a guy who's going to be used all over. He's going to be in the nickel corner. He's going to be free safety. He's going to be strong safety. Don't let his size fool you. He can play close to the line of scrimmage. He's good in run support. He's a good tackler. He's got great ball skills. You know, if he stays healthy, I think he can be a, the best playmaker of this group. So he's third on my list. But then Grant Delpit, you know, Grant Delpit's another guy very good at blitzing, so he can pick up some sacks for you. His 2019 wasn't as good as his 2018, but I think he's another interchangeable guy. It, you know, if he ends up playing more strong safety, he's too low on this list. He might he might even be at the top of the list. You know, it's interesting to see what Cleveland does there. Is he going to be asked to play more in coverage? Is he going to be asked to play close to the line? My guess is he's going to be asked to do a little bit of everything. And I think that's going to be the case with all of these guys, McKinney, Chin, Winfield, and Delpit. All four of those guys are they going to be versatile. I think they're going to be asked to do a lot of different things for their defense. You know, I think they should be taken pretty close in drafts. Maybe McKinney, you know, a half around the head of those other guys. And then Chin, Winfield, and Delpit, I think are very much interchangeable in my eyes. Next after that, uh, I have Kyle Duggar kind of like almost in his own tier. He's my number five guy. I wouldn't put him with the top four. They just re-signed Patrick Chung to an extension. We know, you know, Kyle Duggar coming from Lenore Ryan. We don't know exactly what Belichick's plan is for him. If it ends up being playing closer to the line of scrimmage in a, you know, a linebacker safety hybrid role, then it's too low for him as well. But he's got great athleticism. So I think he's going to be asked to, to do a little bit more in terms of coverage. So, you know, he's a little bit of a wait and see kind of like almost like in his own little tier for me after that, you know, I'm going to run through these next guys. My next group of guys would be my number six through number 10 guys. And that would be Kayvon Wallace, Philadelphia, Ashton Davis, the Jets, 
uh, Julian Blackman, Indianapolis, Terrell Burgess, the Rams, and Brandon Jones, Miami. All of those guys have, you know, decent draft capital attached to them, whether it's third or fourth round, all of those guys, that's where they came off the board. They all, you know, have decent, you know, ability to have cover skills, tackling, you know, Ashton Davis is kind of behind Jamal Adams and Marcus May there, but it sounds like Marcus May is not going to be back. Uh, but Ashton Davis is probably going to be more of a, a coverage safety there with Jamal Adams better close to the line of scrimmage. So that's why I have Ashton Davis at seven. I'm, I'm intrigued by Kayvon Wallace. He's my little bit of an X factor in wild card and he might not even get drafted in a lot of IDP, you know, uh, leagues where they're mixed in with the offensive players. But I do think Kayvon Wallace could be asked to immediately take on a role, you know, of that Malcolm Jenkins role and quickly push, you know, I, I, I'm not even exactly sure it's set, you know, maybe Jalen Mills or somebody right now is penciled in to be that role for the Eagles. But I don't, I don't know if that's going to be the case, to be honest with you. So I can see Kayvon Wallace winning a starting job sooner rather than later and being asked to do a lot of the things Malcolm Jenkins was asked to do there when he was a great player for the Eagles. So I'm intrigued by Kayvon Wallace. He's my little bit of a surprise under the radar guy who I don't think is getting enough attention. Blackman, Burgess, Brandon Jones. I think they're all intriguing guys. I think they're probably all better in coverage, whether they're covering in the slot, you know, tight ends. They got, you know, good ball skills. All those guys kind of intrigue me there in that eight, nine, 10 range for me. But to be honest with you, after the top five or six guys, I don't really think anyone else is too draftable. They're more just stashes and weighted out. Uh, after my top 10, I have my next group of guys is number 11 is Geno Stone. He's a, like a linebacker safety hybrid, but he has no draft capital attached to him except a late round pick. Uh, we'll see about that. Same thing with Jalen Hawkins to Atlanta. You know, Neil has been a guy there. I mentioned Kanan Neil earlier, and he's a guy who, you know, suffered an injury last year. Can Neil stay healthy there? Maybe Jay. Uh, Jalen Hawkins is a guy who could be an intriguing guy down the line as a late, you know, day three pick. Uh, Antoine Brooks Jr. Pittsburgh is my, you know, uh, number 13. And then Josh Matillis, 14 to Minnesota. And then after that, I have a couple corners here. You know, corners are not guys that I would take over over safeties. They just don't usually get the tackle production. But in leagues where you have to play cornerbacks and have to draft cornerbacks or pick them up, I have AJ Terrell as my my favorite cornerback. He's my 15 DB overall. 16, I have Jalen Johnson, Chicago. He's my second cornerback. 17 DB overall is Trayvon Diggs, Dallas. He's my third cornerback. And then I have at 18, 19, 20, Jeff Gladney, Minnesota, Christian Fulton, Tennessee, and uh, Damon Arnett to the Raiders. Uh, those are my four, five, six cornerbacks. You might not heard Jeffrey Okuda or CJ Henderson. I think those guys are really good in coverage. I don't think they're going to see a lot of tackle opportunities. And, and if they become the guys that teams think they could be, I think you potentially, you know, and they become shutdown corners or really good cover corners that potentially hinders them in fantasy. So that's why you don't see those guys. But again, in terms of DB leagues where safeties and, and corners are grouped together, I really only think it's like five names that I think should definitely be drafted. And then a couple other guys, you know, like Kayvon Wallace and Ashton Davis, maybe, and then some weights and C's where you got to draft cornerbacks. Also my favorite 
you know, Terrell, I think he's a guy who can got good size. He can tackle. Same thing with Jalen Johnson and Trayvon Diggs. That's why those three guys would be at the top of the list because I think their their size and toughness and physicality can lead to more tackle production. And then Gladney, even though he's a little bit smaller, good tackler. And then Christian Fulton and Arnett got some size to them as well. So those would be my top corners uh, there as well. So there it is, guys. Uh, my IDP rookie rankings. Again, I didn't do an overall big board because, again, I think that's very much skewed based on your league settings. But I wanted to share my thoughts uh, holistically in terms of the defensive line, the linebackers and defensive backs, kind of share my thoughts a little bit about these IDP guys because I do think it's a lot of fun. I think IDP leagues are something that is uh, exciting. It, it a little bit different. It takes some getting used to. You gotta you gotta separate reality from fantasy because that's the thing about IDP leagues. Sometimes it does not match up well, you know. And you know, like we said, cornerbacks that are shut down corners are not good fantasy players. Corners that get targeted a lot or help out and run support a lot. Those are the ones that you would want to draft. You know, same thing. You know, really great cover linebacker. Well, if he doesn't make a lot of tackles isn't going to produce a lot of fantasy stats. So sometimes reality and fantasy don't always match up perfectly when you're talking about IDP rookies and IDP leagues in general. So there it is, guys. Like I said, this is my rankings have been added to the the Saturday to Sunday 2020 rankings notebook. Guys, if you're like the work that we've been doing here, it's not too late to still purchase the premium notebooks. Remember, for $9.99, you get access to four notebooks. You get the scouting notebook, which has close to a hundred player profiles of guys that were in the NFL draft as another 25 of guys we had previewed last summer that we thought were going to be in the NFL draft, the Travis Etienne's, Najee Harris's of the world. You get the rankings notebook, which has our dynasty rookie rankings. It now has our IDP rankings. It has our Debbie rankings. It had our draft uh, rankings, just based on film. It had our tiers just based on film. All of that's in the rankings notebook. You get the draft projections notebook. And even though the draft has come and gone, there's notes and the measurements on 375 or so prospects, offense and defense, uh, you know, that are still very advantageous to look at that notebook. You know, when you want a quick snapshot of a player that you may be thinking about drafting in your deep dynasty league, it has thoughts on all the defensive players. So it might be helpful in your IDP leagues to have that snapshot. Uh, you know, so it's still productive. And then you get the freshman notebook, the most recently launched premium notebook. And Matt had been working on that for a while where he breaks down many of the incoming freshmen, you know, the top quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, thoughts on these guys, superlatives, rankings, great, a must-have for any Devi player. So you get all four for $9.99. It's still the best way to support the show and help us. Uh, so if you purchased it in the past, we hope that you consider it again. If you're new to Saturday to Sunday, we hope that you uh, consider checking it out. Uh, for nine ninety nine, you know, all the money goes right back into stuff for the podcast, you know, hosting, server, you know, stuff like that. So uh, it's the best way to help support Matt and I continue to do what we're doing here. So on behalf of Matt, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.